0: Welcome to Clippings, the official podcast of the Council for Nail Disorders, where Doctors April Schachtel and Catherine Stiff take a closer look at articles and clippings published on all things nail disease. Listeners can suggest articles for this podcast or topics of discussion by sending an email to kristen.cnd at gmail.com. Thank you for listening.
1: Hello, welcome to episode 38 of the Clippings Podcast, where we review nail papers and share them with you. I'm April Schachtel, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Catherine Stiff. Hello, April. All right, Catherine, I'll be sharing with you today an article titled, Vitamins for the Management of Nail Disease, a literature review by Drs. Kaya Curtis and Sherry Lipner. It was published in Skin Appendage Disorders in November of twenty-three. This caught my eye because my patients are often asking me what vitamins they can take to make their nails better or what dietary changes they should be making to improve them. So I was excited to see this summary all in one place. This project was a literature review on the management of nail disorders with vitamins and the diagnoses they included were yellow nail syndrome, brittle nail syndrome, onychomycosis, habit tick deformity, warts, and nail psoriasis. And I'm going to summarize the high points of the findings for you. So for yellow nail syndrome, they found one case report of success with topical vitamin E and a case series of three pediatric patients in which it didn't make a difference. Oral vitamin E showed improvement in five out of eight patients in another study, but there was also improvement in patients who didn't receive vitamin E who just had treatment of their underlying respiratory disease. Combination therapy with oral vitamin E and antifungals has also been tried, including in one trial of 13 patients in which 85% had complete cure with oral vitamin E and pulse dose fluconazole, and combination vitamin E with itraconazole has also been reported. They then reviewed the evidence for brittle nail syndrome and our old friend Biotin. Uh, One paper was a trial of 45 patients with brittle nails who took biotin 2.5 milligrams daily for six months, and actually 91% reported improved firmness and hardness of fingernails. Some trials have shown that that then goes away when the biotin is stopped. They also reviewed a trial of topical tazarotene for brittle nails, in which 100% of 18 patients who used the cream twice a day for 12 weeks achieved improvements in their nails. Onychomycosis also had some data for use of vitamins because vitamin E is an antioxidant and it's thought to increase tissue growth rate. Also, the water-soluble for form is often used in drug delivery systems, and so that's why it's thought to perhaps help in some way. There was a trial of 20 patients with onychomycosis who were treated with vitamin E and topical oils of lime, oregano, and tea tree. Hopefully, no significant contact dermatitis, but the group did have a 50% complete cure rate after three months and 80% cure rate after six months. There was a case report of a patient treated with topical vitamin E with complete resolution after six months. Tazarotene is included in this discussion because it is a retinoid and vitamin A derivative and has immunomodulatory and anti-inflammatory properties it has been studied for toenail onychomycosis. There was a clinical trial of 15 patients treated with the 0.1% gel daily, and they achieved a mycological cure of 40% at one month and complete cure in 100% of the patients at three months. Interestingly, the tazarotene solution has been shown to inhibit fungal growth in vitro, and retinoids are also apparently known to have fungistatic activity against dermatophyte and can- candida albicans species, and they also increase nail growth rate via increased epidermal uh, turnover, which is why they might work. People have also considered using systemic retinoids for onychomycosis. There was one study of 135 patients with onychomycosis that compared dose itraconazole one week a month to a group that took oral acetretin, or the, and then the third group was the combination of pulsed itraconazole and acetretin. And of those three groups, the most successful one was the combination in which 80% of patients got a mycological cure and 53% got a complete cure. For the last uh, two conditions, uh, they looked at treatment of warts with vitamins. There is some evidence for intralesional vitamin D, which plays a role in proliferation and differentiation of keratinocytes and is thought to stimulate cell-mediated immunity. In one study of 63 patients with palmoplantar and periungal warts that were refractory to standard treatments, 14 of the patients had periungal warts and 93% of those completely cleared with intralesional vitamin D and the remaining one patient had just a moderate response and that was after a mean of three sessions every two weeks. Finally, the authors looked at vitamins for nail psoriasis. The topical tazeratine has been studied in several trials, including one trial of 31 patients who had a greater reduction in their onycholysis with tazeratine gel, uh, whether it, it was occluded or not, compared to a vehicle. One study showed it led to a greater reduction in hyperkeratosis when it was compared to topical clobetazole. Uh, there is a risk of pyogenic granuloma with topical to Zeratine. And similarly, oral acetretin has been studied and showed to improve nail psoriasis. Again, there have been reports of pyogenic granulomas on that therapy as well. Vitamin D analog calcipotriene has been well studied in nail psoriasis and shown to reduce subungal hyperkeratosis and the nail severity, nail psoriasis severity index score. So overall, as a summary, the strongest evidence Regarding vitamins and nail conditions, is for treating nail psoriasis with topical vitamin D analogs and with topical retinoid tazarotene. For yellow nail syndrome, the strongest evidence was for oral vitamin E plus pulse dose antifungals, although it's small clinical trials and case reports that support that. However, the authors do caution that oral vitamin E has known coagulopathic risk due to vitamin K antagonism. So it should be carefully used or not used at all in older patients and anyone who is at increased risk for bleeding. The idea of topical vitamin E was intriguing, but has limited evidence. Regarding brittle nails, the authors rated the evidence supporting oral biotin as overall weak and also discussed the risk of interference with lab testing. For onychomycosis, topical vitamin E also seemed somewhat promising, but with limited evidence. And finally, the evidence for intralesional vitamin D for warts was pretty good. So overall, for me, this was a good review of the evidence all in one place. And it taught me some new uses for the vitamin A derivative to and for topical vitamin E that I think might be somewhat useful for patients who are especially interested in vitamins to treat their nail problems.
0: Agreed. This was a really nice review and I think my takeaway is I'll, I'll try using more tazeratine.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. All right, Catherine, tell us what you read about.
0: Okay, I will discuss the article, Nail Psoriasis in China, a prospective multicenter study published in the Journal of European Academy, Dermatology and Venereology in October, 2023 by Drs. Wang et al., This was a multi-center prospective epidemiological study in the dermatology departments of 25 tertiary hospitals in China. Patients with nail psoriasis seen in outpatient clinics or hospital wards were enrolled. There were a total of 871 cases of nail psoriasis. The mean age was 44 years and roughly half of patients were between ages 19 to 44. 71% of cases were male patients. The majority of patients believed the nail psoriasis occurred after their skin psoriasis, and the mean duration of nail psoriasis was 46 months. Lower limbs and scalp were the most common anatomical sites of skin psoriasis. In the first digit was the nail most often affected by nail psoriasis. Fingernail NAPC score was positively correlated with the BSA and POSI score. The quality of life scores showed that nail psoriasis had an impact on the physical aspects, stigma, emotional status, and everyday life of patients. The prevalence of fingernail psoriasis was 1.7 times that of toenail psoriasis. And fingernail psoriasis most often presented with nail pitting and onycholysis, while toenail psoriasis presented with subungal hyperkeratosis and nail plate crumbling. In the cohort of patients tested for fungal infection of the nails, the incidence of nail psoriasis in combination with onychomycosis was 13%. In addition, 12% of patients reported articular symptoms. Most patients reported receiving the same treatment for nail psoriasis as for their skin psoriasis, with biologics being the most commonly prescribed agent. So this was a useful epidemiologic study from patients with nail psoriasis in China. An interesting takeaway is the differences in presentation between fingernail and toenail psoriasis, with fingernails more often presenting with nail pitting and toenails with subungual hyperkeratosis. So this highlights the clinical differential diagnosis of onychomycosis and toenail psoriasis. The authors postulate that with increasing use of biologics for psoriasis, especially IL-17 inhibitors, there may be a rise in concomitant dermatophyte infections in patients with nail psoriasis. So clinicians should have a low index to send a nail clipping for confirmatory tests to rule out onychomycosis. In patients with nail psoriasis.
1: That's a good takeaway. Maybe we should also be adding acetretin to treat both their problems. Yes,
0: well. it's very true. <laughs>
1: All right, Catherine, thanks for joining me on this episode of Clippings. I want to thank our listeners for their attention. Please share this podcast with your colleagues and trainees. Let us know how we're doing and which articles you'd like us to review on the show by contacting kristen.cnd at gmail.com or find us on Instagram and X at Nail Disorders.